Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to the Phil in Exile podcast. And uh, I hope you're doing well wherever you find yourself in exile or not in exile, as the case may be. Um, I had a lovely week. Um, I took that girl I told you about last week, the one I fell in love with, um, the one who puts up with me and has for almost 27 years. I, I took her to a little uh, Valentine's Day trip this last weekend, um, post-Valentine's, but, you know, she's she's a working, working gal, so I had to wait till the weekend. But we went to Strasbourg, France. That's right. Took a little trip to Strasbourg, France. You may be wondering, why do we go to France so often? Um, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is, I will admit... Uh, that uh, my wife and I have historically been sort of Francophiles. We uh, we kind of have a thing for France. Not a Francophone, as my friends in the foreign language department always pointed out, because my French was terrible. Um, but a Francophile. Uh, we, we have always sort of enjoyed French things. I, I don't know. I think I got hooked in high school on uh, French cinema. I started going to art house movies, and I got hooked. I saw this movie called The Hairdresser's Husband, which is just a little slice of, of melancholy fried gold. And you should check it out if you can find it anywhere. I don't think you can anymore, but it's a great movie. Um and uh, it's uh, it kind of got me hooked on 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 France and and then I found myself you know uh, taking French in high school uh, and I admittedly didn't do a very good job I I'm sorry Madame Borchard uh, she was my French teacher in uh, high school and uh, I I did not work as hard as I could have or should have in that class uh, the phrases I remember most were. Um, Levez la tête and ferme la bouche. Um, that's uh, raise your head and shut your mouth. Heard those a few times. Um, anyhow, sorry, um, Madame Bouchard. But uh, it was, strangely enough, a lot of it kind of stuck because, again, I started watching French movies and I kind of got into it and I got into the French existentialists in college. And I, I yeah, I kind of went down a hole there. So Kind of, uh, kind of uh, Francophiles. We visited France, my wife and I did, back in 2001, and, and just had the time of our lives. We were just, you know, we went to Paris and just sort of overwhelmed with how beautiful the whole place was and how delicious everything was and the whole bit. And so we, we kind of got hooked on France. But now we live in Germany, and, and I'm beginning to really appreciate Germany and German culture, but we're really close to France. We're only like just a just a few kilometers away and that's the other reason we go there so often is it's just so dang close i could almost accidentally end up in france if i just forgot my exit on the autobahn like that's how close we are we're really close so you got to understand the novelty of that is kind of hard to get over because if we drive for like 45 minutes an hour two hours we're in france if we drive 45 minutes in north or, or south or west we end up in france now, we may not be in the coolest place in France in 45 minutes, but again, Strasbourg was only two hours away. Just to give you some context, when I lived in Dallas, Texas, if I drove for two hours, I was, generally speaking, in a place that was a downgrade from where I was in Dallas. Like, I, if I went to the east, I went to Tyler. Though Tyler's not a bad town. Tyler's kind of cute. It's it's east Texas, but, you know, not not a major sort of tourist destination. If I went south, I was in like Waco, which, oh yeah, no, not again, not not a tourist spot. If I went 
to the to the west, I gosh, I don't know where I'd be. Mineral wells, I I, I have no clue where I'd be at that point. Um, if I went north, I might actually cross into Oklahoma, but I'd be in some place like like Ardmore or or Caddo. No offense to people in all of these places. I'm sure they have their charms, but they ain't no Strasbourg. Okay, let's just be honest. They are they can't really compete with Strasbourg. So the reason we keep going to France is because it's so easy and stinking awesome to just end up in France. And so we, we, we've we been going to France uh, for various things, but this is our first time to go to Strasbourg, which is kind of a big deal. It's a, it's a, it's a very well-known city, very big sort of tourist destination. And um, especially at Christmas time, it's like apparently the Christmas capital of the world. There are Christmas events and Christmas market, and it's off the charts. So of course we went in February. But that, that that's partially because we it's really expensive to get hotels there at Christmas and anyhow we there's we were so excited by the Christmas markets locally that we were like we'll we'll worry about Strasbourg another time but anyhow we 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 went to Strasbourg uh, a lot of people told us you got to go check it out so we went and um, it's it's a beautiful city it's a beautiful city. The interesting thing about Strasbourg and, and a lot of cities in that Alsatian region of France is that they, they've been handed back and forth between Germany and France for many centuries. Like this has been an ongoing thing. Sometimes these places were, uh, you know, the boundary was German. Sometimes the boundary is French. Right now it's French. Um, and uh, but you get there and you get this sense that this is a place with sort of a split personality. Because you look around and it looks very German. It looks like a German town. And and admittedly, I think it maybe was German more than it was French in history. Although if I'm wrong about that, I'm sure the French police will come get me. But it, it it's definitely got both flavors going on. Uh, but you can really tell now that it's France. And 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 that's the, that's kind of the thing that struck me is when we got there, we we notice that even though you look around and the buildings have these exposed timbers and look like the German cities that we go to all over, you know, our own country where we live now, our adopted country of Germany, it still felt like France. It still felt like France. And 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 the French have a a, a specific way of doing things that's different than the Germans. And and I think that's true all over Europe. Okay, I like I'm beginning to discover that that you know each country sort of has its personality. Uh, I remember I heard this this joke. Um, I mean, it's not a crack up joke, but I think people who've traveled probably maybe find this amusing. But I heard this joke, and I heard this joke 25 years ago. But the the joke goes this way: In heaven, the mechanics are German, the police are English, the chefs are French. The timekeepers are Swiss and the lovers are Italian. And in hell, the mechanics are French, the police are German, the chefs are English, the timekeepers are Italian, and the lovers are Swiss. Now, forgive the generalizations, but it is funny because you talk to people who travel and, and they say, for example, um, you know, you just time is a different thing in Italy than it is in, in say, Switzerland. Time, different relationship to time, that country. They just don't uh, don't follow it quite as rigidly as some other places. 
You know, um, the 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 differences between these countries. I've visited a few now, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to visiting even more and sort of experiencing what their cultural differences are. But it's really striking to see the difference between Germany and France. So, like, the best way I can sum this up is is through talking about German windows and French bridges. So just bear with me. The German window is a marvel of engineering. And I think I'm right in calling it a German window because I've been other places and I didn't see this same kind of window. I think some other countries may be adopting it um, because it's so great, but I, I think it's it's kind of a known thing. Germans, they crack the code on the window. And and the way it works is, is the window, it, it, it has a handle on it that that goes several ways. If you turn it up, if you face the handle up and you pull, the the window tilts from the top uh, into your home and creates a vent. So you have this this tilting sort of uh, window and, and it's great if you just want to let a little air in or, you know, like I use it all the time in the kitchen when I'm cooking and if you get a little smoke or a little, a little smell, you know, you can just tilt the window. But you can then push the window closed turn the handle, crank it to the right, um, or crank it to the side, and then pull, and the whole window opens like a door. So that hinge at the top that had released the top of the window has now somehow re-engaged the window and now is operating like a swinging hinge to let the window open fully like a door. And this is true of like our, our patio doors too. It's I mean, I'm telling you, everybody, this should be like, we need to get the United Nations on this. This needs to be the law for all windows all time. It's like they they really did figure it out. And you just get the sense that the Germans sat around in a committee meeting and they were like, you know, we must make the window and it must conquer all windows. You know, like we will have the ultimate window, the window that is supreme in every way. And they did it. I love these windows. They're they're absolutely amazing. They're absolutely amazing. They're great. I don't know how, if I leave Germany, what, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to like order German windows and import them and put them in my house because I'm, I'm hooked. But then when I go to France, the thing that always struck me when I went to France, my wife and I used to talk about how things were beautiful that didn't need to be beautiful. That is to say, a purely functional thing was gorgeous. So I remember this bridge, we crossed this bridge in in Paris, and, and there were several bridges that were quite lovely, but there was one in particular that just had these giant columns with these sculptures that were gilded. And you just sort of picture, you know, the engineers in France, and of course they're sitting over a three-hour lunch, a couple of bottles of wine, smoking galois, uh, and, and, you know, they're saying, we must make the bridge to cross the stream. Yeah, oui? And the other guy goes, oui. um, but it must be beautiful. Oui? And the first one goes, oh, man, no, uh, it must be amazing. Uh, you know, and uh, we must have statues and cover them in gold, you know, forgive the accents. But you get the idea. These these why? 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 And it's as if the French go, why wouldn't we make it beautiful? We're going to put something up. We're going to have to look at it every day. Why wouldn't it be gorgeous? Why wouldn't it be amazing? Why wouldn't we just like a friend once described it as for the French beauty is not optional. Like it just, it, it, why wouldn't it be beautiful? Why wouldn't it be delicious and luxuriant and chic? You know, these are the things that it's great. Germans, they're looking for efficiency. They're looking for it to be sturdy and reliable and, and to, to be efficient. This is what they're looking for, right? They want it to be done well. They want it to be done right. 
And then the French are like, but, you know, could we make it, you know, more indulgent? And it's just that Germanic Latin thing going on. There's you really feel it. So even though my eyes looked and said, this place looks really German, you could feel that this was France. Different sensibility, different ethos, for sure, for sure. And uh, and I, you know, I I noticed it on uh, on the day that uh, we were we were getting ready to leave. It was Sunday morning. We'd gotten up. We were having a coffee, and I was sitting in in Gutenberg Square, Gutenberg Park, in the center of Strasbourg. And uh, I was it was kind of quiet, and I was just sipping a sipping an espresso and and we it was just beautiful it was lovely crisp cool morning and i noticed people coming out with their with their wheelie carts full of bottles to put the bottles in the recycling which we do here in germany as well they have these big uh, canisters on the street for green clear and brown glass and you go drop your bottles in there and they fall into this thing and they make a rather loud smash when they go down you know um, but you have to do this because of the they take the recycling very seriously here and so you go over and you drop in your bottles my wife calls it the walk of shame because it's like did we really have that many bottles of wine in the last week I don't, I don't anyhow we go take the bottles and you go drop them into the the appropriate bins but they're it makes this loud smash inside this sort of cavernous receptacle. So it's really, really loud. And uh, and the thing was, these people were going over on a quiet Sunday morning in Strasbourg, France, dropping their bottles in, smash, 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 really loud. And the thing is, in Germany, on Sundays, we observe quiet hours. So you are not permitted to drop your loud bottles in the container that makes the loud smashing sound. You can't do that on Sundays because it would disturb the quiet hours. Sunday is a quiet day. We don't run lawn equipment. We don't go out and work on our car and rev the engine. We don't play music loud. Maybe if there's a soccer game, they'll allow themselves to get loud. That's that's possible. But no other reasons. We don't get loud. And so you don't drop the bottles in on Sunday. No, nine, Fraulein, nine. But here in France, they were just walking over, dropping it. And I just thought, you know, that wouldn't fly where I come from. And I had this moment of sort of Germanic pride. Like, yeah, I'm from Germany. I'm from Germany, and we would know better than to drop the bottles in. But then I have this other thing where I'm walking around France, and I'm like, of course we should have a cheese course at the end. Why Why shouldn't we? Of course we should have wine with that. Uh, yes, the day should start with a buttery pastry. Every day should start that way. Um, so I really have this this problem that uh, I I like all the places. They're all kind of fantastic, you know? Like, I, I like this sort of luxuriant uh, part of France, but I like this sort of efficient, sensible, sturdy thoughts that go into life in Germany. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to, where I'm going to, maybe, maybe I'll go to Italy and find my people or, or, or Ireland or Spain, or I don't know, but I will go to these places and we shall find out. We shall find out where I belong. Again, I'm a man in exile. So I don't know. I don't know where it's going to be that we finally land when it's all said and done. But, uh, oh, and there was a church. I have to tell you about the church because I talked about when I went to Wissenburg, which had that church that was empty, that was really cool. And I had deep existential theological thoughts inside that church. Well, in Strasbourg, the church is one of the major 
sites that you should see. It's one of the major attractions. And it's huge. It's it's gigantic. Okay. It's not as big as the Dom in, in Köln, but it's it's a really big church. And uh I and it's I think it's sort of a sister church to Notre Dame in, in Paris, but I, I I think they were trying to kind of have a sister church thing. But anyhow, it, it's a big place for sure. And so we went to go see it. But here's the thing. It was like it was like a theme park ride. Like there were lines and you had to go to a separate line and pay a fee if you wanted to go like go see this clock that, that goes off once a day inside the, the church. And it's a famous clock. And, you know, Goethe once took a trip to see it. And I anyhow, I guess it's another mechanical marvel. But you had to, like, pay to go. And there's only one time a day. And then we didn't catch that. But then we wanted to go another time. But you had to wait in another line. And then you got to go inside. And as I was walking in, it was funny because I was walking in, first of all, with hundreds and hundreds of other people. Uh, So not an empty church. But I was walking in and the the guy at the door pointed and told me I had to take my hat off. He was like, you've got to take off your hat. That's the it's not permitted to wear your hat. And uh, and so I took my hat off. But then I got in there and it was it, I, I got to tell you, OK, I had this happen in, in another church in France once where I was told to take off my hat. And then I walk in and I discover they're they're selling knickknacks and and souvenirs and you know pay three euros to light a candle and you know you can come over here and get rosaries or postcards or stickers for your window and i you know i i gotta tell you i gotta tell you the whole like show some respect take off your hat i'm like well can we show some respect and not like we have a have a gift shop in the middle of the church I mean, call me crazy, but I, you know, I remember reading in the Bible that the one time Jesus got really out of sorts and overturned some tables, it's because people were like doing commerce in the temple. So I don't think my hat is the big crime here. But anyhow, I took my hat off just so you know, I took it off. I took it off. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little disconcerting. And and, and I could not uh, find that same deep sensation that I had in the little church in Wissenburg because the place was pandemonium. There were so many people coming and going and everybody's taking selfies and getting pictures and running over here and running over there. And they literally had audio that would come on every five minutes and it would be this this recording that would say, Monsieur et Madame, And it would just be this stern French voice telling us to be quiet. And they would just play that every five minutes because the place had gotten really loud. So again, it's like, hey, this is a place to be contemplative. This is a church for crying out loud. Take your hat off and be quiet. But on your way out the door, if you'd like to buy some trinkets, we have a lovely selection of overpriced goodies. So, you know, kind of, again, I'm going to have to go back to Wissenburg and and go back to that church that did not have anything for sale, that did not have any people running around like crazy in there. I'm going to have to go check that church out again because I, I don't know. I Something special happened there. And, and and don't get me wrong. You should see the church in, in Strasbourg. It's gorgeous. It's a sight, man. It is structurally overwhelming. But it is it is beautiful. It is beautiful. But I just didn't didn't give me the tingly feelings that I had in Wissenburg. 
The last thing I have to tell you about Strasbourg was while we were there, my, at one point my wife went off to go look for a water bottle or something, and I sat outside the church in this sort of square next to the church. And I noticed this, this group of young people. And of course, young people now is a really broad term now that I'm in my 50s, because I realize most of the world is young people compared to me. But but I noticed this group of 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 I'm guessing late teens, early 20s, something like that in that neighborhood. And they were really like duded up. And the very fact that I just said duded up really makes me old. They were they were dressed in a very specific ways. Um, and I noticed that they had camera equipment and things and I was watching. And then I noticed they had a poster board that had like a QR code and so uh, I, I, of course, looked it up, and they're a group, um, NYUV, um, NYUV, which is has nothing to do with NYU. I thought maybe it had something to do with New York University, but uh, no, NYUV, it's a, uh, let me see if I get this right, it's a uh, a group of, of people who do public spontaneous, not really spontaneous, because let me tell you, they were working this, but public dancing to K-pop music. And if you don't know what all that means, you can go look it up. But anyhow, uh, they were, I guess, shooting one of their videos out there. So I was watching this unfold and they were recording this and I, I was sort of struck by their commitment to this and the sort of how, how they were able to completely, completely, uh, ignore the fact that they were making a spectacle of themselves in front of strangers uh, next to a church in Strasbourg, France, that they could really commit to this dance routine with, you know, a Bluetooth speaker blaring this this thumpity thump, you know, oops, 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 you know, song. And they were in it, man. They were going for it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. At one point, you know, Becca walked up and she saw this. I said, you got to look at this. And Becca's response, granted, okay, we were, we were maybe feeling a little crusty and old at that moment, but she was like, those kids, they're poor parents. Like that, you know, I'm sure they hoped more than they would become YouTube dancers. And, uh, and I thought, yeah. And then I thought, says the guy who makes a podcast for 50 people. So maybe I don't have a leg to stand on. I don't know. Anyhow, that was the trip to Strasbourg. I could t I could regale you with the delicious foods we ate and the the wonderful the wonderful things that we consumed. And uh, but I, I'll I'll spare you. I'll spare you because you probably didn't eat as well as I did this last weekend. Um, but my comeuppance is that I had to get blood work done uh, earlier today, and uh, I'm sure that Strasbourg will take some revenge on my blood work uh, today. But you know. It was worth it. Whatever. I'll explain to my doctor. It was it was a uh, you know, special occasion. But uh, there you go. Strasbourg, France. I, I give it I give it two thumbs up. But uh, but I don't know. I may have to go check out some other places to compare. I, I'll have to see what I think. Um, I think we're off to Belgium next. Maybe Luxembourg. We'll see. Again, short drive, short drive. That's not Waco, Texas. Can't wait. Anyhow, that's all for now. I hope you're doing well. And uh, I want to, as always, remember to say, I wish peace and love to everyone.